Welcome to the True Face Podcast. Many of you have been faithful listeners and givers for the eight awesome years of this podcast, and we so appreciate you. We're taking a little break in order to redesign our podcast. In the meantime, we're putting up some of our favorite, most listened to episodes. We hope they encourage you to apply grace to your daily life. This episode is from our Cure and Parent series. Listen in. Welcome to the True Face Podcast. Welcome. We're back again. Two sessions in a row where we are all here. Yes. Fantastic. That doesn't happen very often. No. It's exciting stuff. Still in the Cure and Parents. Last week we were talking about rules and guidelines. And I think, I mean, for John, I think it was one of our favorite podcasts we've done in a while. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I hope you got a chance to listen to it. If you didn't, then maybe jump back because it will tie into this one. And Bruce's point about just if you get a couple of million uh, families together that might have grown up in compliance, then you might have some trouble actually having a society that can think for themselves and, and do well with rules versus like what's actually right. And uh, that that's very a, a very poignant <laughs> thought, I think. But this week, um, we're going to continue on with Another another really practical piece on how we as parents get to engage with our children and, and earn trust. And we're still on page 17. And so it says, now let's take a look at how we can help our children develop convictions. For convictions help form guidelines. Consider a daughter's developing understanding of modesty. At age 16, it might not be good to start explaining modesty with these words. You will not be leaving this house with that outfit on. Not that almost every parent of an adolescent hasn't said those words at one time or another. But remember, a guideline says, here is why you would choose these behaviors and not those. And I will stand with you as you mature into these choices. A conviction is a particular belief or position which has become your own. An age-related progression of conversations, modeling, and guidance helps nurture convictions. So maybe early on, a mom begins running a running conversation with her daughter as they walk through their daily lives, presenting from many angles how to begin to make choices consistent with who she wants to be. Maybe at around age eight or nine, you present this question. How do I want to present myself to the world? Your daughter may not have considered this before, but even at nine, she can begin to understand how choices in the way she dresses and presents herself reflects her femininity, her identity, her person. Somewhere around 10, you might help draw her into an awareness of the consequences of other girls' choices in her own world and in the media surrounding her. Again, all of this is in the context of seeing life together. It presupposes ongoing conversations where such questions are not jarring or out of the blue. Maybe by 12, you begin to process together what choices of modesty or immodesty might affect boys. There's no exact month when any discussion is best to begin, but there is an intentionality in watching for readiness to reason out the motives and values for their behaviors. There are many clumsy moments on this trail, more missteps than great moments of insight. There are more blank stares than, oh, yes, my parent, I'm beginning to see how this would change my life for the better. May I now serve you by setting the table and sorting out the recycling bin? <laughs> Perhaps you get the point. Everything about a guideline is more involved, more nuanced, and messier. Everything about a rule is more simple, clear, enforceable, and clean. But rules, unfortunately, don't create lasting, heartfelt obedience much after the age of nine. If we don't understand these distinctions, we'll continue on the rulemaking trajectory because it gives us the illusion of control. But as the Claussens heard in the podcast, 
The payoff is invariably this. Rules will create either rebellious or compliant children. Rules ultimately do not allow me to live out of the motivation of love. Only a motivation of love can free me to heartfelt obedience with sufficient and sustaining life motivation. A motivation that gets to trust the direction of Jesus instead of being compelled to comply with the commands of Jesus? Compliance, though not an ideal state, can keep the yelling down for a while. And a home with less yelling gives everyone a chance to breathe and not be at each other's throats. But maybe we start to realize things are growing more distant and rigid. We admit it, if only to ourselves. Wow. Wow, great. Great content again for us to really think about this morning. Um, I've got to read this book. Yeah, it's uh, good. I was just struck as I was reading. I just had this a moment of, you know how we say that you actually have to mature as a parent for you to actually walk your children through this. When I am which is one of my things, when I can get caught up in my looks, my charm, how attractive I am, there's no way that I'm going to be able to walk my child through the ability to think through, like, how am I affecting someone else when I try to charm them? How yeah. am I affecting yeah. someone else when yeah. I... Yeah, and if I am not willing to realize that I have those things and and share those and realize that I can only walk them as far as I've I've thought through or asked others or talked to God about it, then I won't even have a concept of starting to have these conversations because I still am wanting that attention. I'm still not developing in that. I'm just that's whoa. <laughs> but the <laughs> but the gift at a certain age where your child is struggling, you're able to say, So does your dad. Yeah. And we'll go through this together yeah. is an incredible gift. Yeah, oh that insight were to happen in the relationship with a child's learning. Yeah, they'll never forget. They yeah. might actually want to hear from you at that point. Uh, which, yes. yeah, that yeah. that is something. This this reading started with the word conviction, and I just want to draw attention to it for a moment. Um, I uh, we do a lot of leader training, and and even in that context, lots of leaders don't understand. So even as parents, and then we're talking about child learning this. A conviction is something I believe that I act upon. That's what a conviction is. And imagine the privilege of a parent mm -hmm. to teaching their children that it's a great thing to believe, but it's really actually more important to act upon what you believe. And the more consistent we as parents are in acting upon what we believe, the more effective. I mean, we... We're in different audiences, and, and lots of times the younger generation says to the older generation, I don't trust you because you didn't act upon what you told me the truth was. Well, that's a violation of a conviction, and it's felt generationally all over the place. Yeah, drafting off of that on page 18, if you have the book, it would be good to underline about two-thirds of the way down that page, 18. Um there is an intentionality in watching for our readiness to reason out the motives and values for their behaviors. This is a definition of character. Character is formed when our inner motives and values issue are confirmed by our actions. And so when Bill is talking about conviction, that is the, the inner motives and values that drive our Choices, our actions, that's conviction. Many character development programs today in schools and other places 
are externally, um, mechanically sort of enforced. That's not where character comes from. And that's why this issue of helping children to understand how to develop guidelines, how to develop choices, causes them to go from their inner spirit, their motives, why am I doing this for other people, Mm -hmm. to a value that says, I value you, and to that extent, I will sacrifice for you. I will make good choices for you. That's character. Mm. That's conviction. Wow, Bruce, that's excellent. Mm. Yeah, even in the story here of the mother and the daughter, it's it's a daughter being challenged by a mother with this simple thing, how do I want to present me to the world? Mm. That's right. Do I want to be responsible for the impact or the effect that I have on others? What's the motive, back to your words, Bruce, what's the motive of my heart in terms of my influence on you? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I mean, if that's something we understand now, and it's something we are able to live out and then teach to our children, they've got a head start on life. Yes. They really do. It's a head start on life. And and often I will say that I I love someone else. I love my brother, but my actions disprove that. Yes. So now I've just proven that I, I really didn't have that motive for you. Right. Because my actions uh, kind of belie what I say. Amen. Amen. I think, too, that um, when it comes to developing a guideline, it's so important for us to ask our children what they know, what Mm -hmm. they believe. Mm -hmm. Like you're talking about this, uh, this illustration of modesty. So what does a person believe when they're 10 years old or 13 years old? And to be able to ask them questions and reason with them instead of only to say, this is the way you should do it. Right. This is the, the the best choice for you. Yeah. Um, you know, I often felt like people would ask me questions that they already knew the answers to and that made me upset. And then Bruce has been, you know, showing me over the years like, oh, it's because I have no clue what this person actually thinks about. And it's because I truly value who they are, what they think, what they've experienced so that not so that I can jump in and teach them all the things I know, but so that I can know where they're coming from and I can care for who they are, not who I assume they are. Amen. Amen. And I think we may be afraid of that because we're afraid we might have to correct instead of just starting out giving them the right answer. That's and, right. And, and so that, it's, that'd be simpler. We that's just right. The I don't yeah. want that they're following Beyonce's value. I... I don't want to undo that or get in a fight about that. So I just give them the right answer. Mm-hmm. And and it circum shortcuts all Absol- of their expression, the relationship. Yeah. A less cool other voice that they have competing that they get to choose between instead of someone that they're trusting to help them guide through the very complicated life of a adolescent and teen. The, the paragraph on page 19 kind of sums up several of our last comments. It says, rules ultimately do not allow me to live out of the motivation of love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Only yeah. a motivation of love can free me to heartfelt obedience with sufficient and sustaining life motivation. And a motivation that gets, that gets to trust the direction or directors of Jesus instead of being compelled to comply with the commands. Just that whole dynamic, and, and, and maybe I'll just put it this way, 
we are, in fact, loving our children deeply mm. when we teach them guidelines for life. We're loving them deeply. And when they trust us in that, they're experiencing our love because their heart is being turned to truth. Wow, that's powerful. Well, here's the gospel in parenting. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I just know Bruce and I a while back were at uh, uh, an event where this very line was being lived out, a motivation that gets to trust the direction of Jesus instead of being compelled to comply with the commands of Jesus. You can have an entire epistemology of church and ministry and a pastorate based on getting people to comply with the commands of Jesus, and it will externally look the same as getting to trust the direction of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And uh, until it gets down into the nitty-gritty, huh? Yeah. And... Yeah. and uh, it it looks the same, yeah. and it and it plays much more cleanly and neat and easy. Ah, oh, but it is empty. It doesn't allow the spirit. It doesn't allow the power of Christ in me to reign. And, and outside of that context, they are not real. Yeah. Mm. In other words, that's the context where it looks the same. But outside of that context, where those boundaries are not there. They live a very different life. Yeah. So yeah, let's right. pray together as parents, all of us being parents, and most of you who are listening, that we don't steal that love from our kids yeah. and that we don't steal it from ourselves and getting to live with them in that because that's what we want. So, yeah. so true. you can share this podcast with, with anyone that you want because this is a life-giving message of it. there's a whole lot of things that you think matter in parenting and getting it right and making sure your children look like this and that. But the most important thing, don't steal that love from them. Yeah. So messy. let it be yeah. messy. Hey, yeah. guys, read read some of the great reviews that are up on Amazon right now and add one of your own. It it really does help people trust who don't know us to to be able to get this book in their hands. Yeah, we'd love that. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye, you guys. Podcast. Bye now. Thanks for listening to the True Face Podcast. If you would like to join the many listeners who support True Face financially or sign up for our monthly newsletter, please visit trueface.org. If you'd like to read the materials these podcasts reference, visit trueface.store.